0: Welcome to episode two of APIs You Won't Hate. My name is Matt, and I'm here uh, to my very good friends Phil and Mike. Guys, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm
0: um, seven o'clock in the morning. I'm alive. <laughs> oh man,
1: that is rough. I am fantastic over here in uh, Amsterdam at two o'clock in the afternoon. Much, much more reasonable.
0: No, <laughs> I just have to say, I saw your your photos, tra- like when you're on the unicorn floaty. Um, in the canal and i thought that was amazing so i just really wanted
1: yeah to- that was a bit of an experience i was um it was the pride uh pride festival and there was a boat parade happening but we weren't even we were like a little bit away from the the parade i just got on the unicorn and was floating around in the canal 5 seconds later i was kidnapped by a boat going by uh, some people just grabbed me by the horn and just sailed me off down the canal it's very very scary
2: a classic love story
1: yeah classic <laughs> <laughs> the Classic. unicorn horn, of course. The uni- <laughs> Classic Bill.
0: Um, before we get started, we want to uh, say a special thanks to Stoplight.io for sponsoring this podcast. Um, they enable us to uh, find some time during our days to make sure we, we are able to record. So we want to thank them um, for their contributions. Check out tools such as Prism and Spectral and everything else that they offer. So that way, when you're writing your OpenAPI documentation, um, you're using the best tooling out there. Um, stoplight.io check it out um, all highly recommended from all three of us um, and that's a great segue uh, Phil you know you work at stoplight and it's been a huge couple of weeks for them um, what all is going on with uh, the releases that you all have coming out over there
1: yeah so many things um, so over the last uh, month we have released a uh, new version of spectral uh, version three it's kind of a uh, oh sorry version four <laughs> um, version four of spectral Ah, uh, version three of Prism and um and Studio, which is a new visual editor for working with uh, your open API um description documents. Instead of just mucking around with giant YAML files, you can edit them with a beautiful thing. So um you don't have to like memorize all the keywords and figure out what keywords are allowed where or anything complicated. You can just give it to non-technical people to to play around with. Um, and and the cool thing about Studio is it has spectral and Prism built in. Prism being the the mocking tool and Spectral being the uh, the the linter for your uh, description documents so it will give you feedback on what you're writing so you can use them all separately or together and now they're all finally released we've been working on this stuff since I I joined Stoplight back in back in like March so it's really nice to get everything out and done and polished yeah
0: that that sounds that sounds awesome um, you said Studio has both, um Spectral and Prism but you know, one thing that's always kind of caught me up ever since I started doing this stuff and following you from your old jobs now with uh, Specy versus Spectral. Is there uh, much of a difference these days? I know Spectral was kind of in its infancy when you like kind of got involved in it. And, and obviously it's grown now, but uh, can someone reliably replace Spectral in their workflow or re- replace Specy with Spectral in their workflow at this point? Yeah
1: yeah absolutely um I mean spectral does basically everything that specy does but it also happens to do a lot more um specy was pretty much open api v three only uh, you couldn't really use open api v two um, and it didn't work with anything else like it was just entirely built for open api v three um, Spectral is like a generic json slash yaml um, object linter so you can you can lint anything and it just so happens that we've built support in for open api v two and v three with some cool rule sets, um, core rule sets, so when I'm talking about linting, actually, a lot of people don't always know what this means. Um, it's not just talking about validation, right Is my open API file valid or not? It is not the most interesting question to ask. Like it's important, um, but there's loads of tools out there that can say like, "Yes, this is okay or oh, no it's bad. Um, what the linter is doing is looking beyond the static keywords and syntax and everything else and kind of uh, imposing a style guide, and you can control which style guide you impose use our default ones for OpenAPI but it will say things like you've got um, parameters that don't have descriptions you should add those so that our documentation doesn't look terrible when it's generated because those descriptions are put into the docs (laughs) and um, you can say like you know all of our URLs should be hyphen case instead of underscores or you can just write down opinions in in this kind of special rule set format uh, and just assert them Um, and and Speccy Inspector will both do that but um, Yeah, Spectral just allows you to do it for pretty much anything instead of just OpenAPI v3. Or,
0: Mike, you're
1: going to say something?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm actually curious, Phil. Is there any. um, So, I've I've used Spectral a bit just to play around with some uh, API documentation that I've got on hand on my machine because I'm always kind of keeping an eye on uh, what you're up to over there. What I'm curious about is are are there any plans to integrate um, Spectral into IDEs like. uh, VS Code or Sublime or any of those things, or is it going to be a standalone tool for the time being?
1: I would really like to. Um, yeah, there, there's the OAS Linter, which kind of is built on the same logic as as Specy for VS Code right now, and, and it would be nice to do the same thing or even even port that. Um, it was discussed a, a while ago, but um, Studio basically is that. So right. um, stu- Studio is a very similar to Electron or Atom, Um, And it's kind of an IDE that's very tailored to specifically working on um, OpenAPI, JSON Schema, and Markdown files, right? So you can edit any files you want. You're probably not going to get that much benefit if you're trying to work on Java or JavaScript or whatever code in there, um, because it it, it doesn't really have those things. It's not designed to do that. Um, But it it does have loads of baked-in support for uh, API specification stuff. So. If you're working on uh, open API files, you can just use Studio for that. Um, and it will give you all that feedback right inside. It will you know, you pick the pick the rule sets and, and it will just shout at you if you do things wrong.
2: Yeah, sure, that makes sense.
0: So Phil, a question that Mike kinda of brought up, are are these tools front end friendly? Like could could a front end developer reliably use these tools if they're not uh comfortable writing back end APIs? Is that a um something that's kind of been taken into consideration?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh API specifications are, are really useful for, you know, everybody, not just back end people. Usually the back end people are writing them, um and then kind of sharing them around to say like, are these okay? And then developing to them, right? So uh the front end people get to use this in a couple of different ways. Uh if you're using Prism, then you can you can run Prism against the specs. So like the it's uh the workflow would be: the backend team have created a whole bunch of of API specifications. However, they've done it. Maybe they used Studio, maybe they didn't. Who cares? Um, and they've now shared those specs with you. You can run Prism locally and say, uh, and, it, and it will give you a mock server, so you can then play around with that. Um, you can do that in the CLI or with Studio. We've both got Prism built in. But front end developers can can use Prism to get like a fake uh, API running on their computer. And with that fake API, you can start to do a whole bunch of stuff. Like if you're building a, a web app, you can you can build against that fake API and you've got all the collections and resources and you can post to this address and get some fake data back. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's useful for front-end developers in that way. Um, right now, it's obviously a bit of a pain. that they, The back-end developers need to pass you the specs and then you need to run a CLI instance and find out where it is and all that sort of stuff. Um, so in in the future, hosted Prism is coming to deal with that. So the backend developers can just click, you know, publish and it will shove, uh, it will update the mock server. And then you can talk directly to that mock server without running anything locally. Um, But that's, that's on the roadmap.
2: It's funny to hear you describe that as a bit of a pain because that tiny bit of a pain of running a CLI and getting some files from your backend team is so much infinitely nicer than uh, the old world of trying to figure out how to build your own mock API or have, have a Second like instance of a database running somewhere that you clean every once in a while. Uh, it, it, it's a a process that will save so many hours for so many people, and I think that it's something that uh, you're you're certainly doing a good job of understating just how valuable and how nice that'll be for someone like me going and building something. Actually, being able to just grab data from uh, a spec is much nicer than guessing and putting together my own data.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. There. There's a lot of guesswork involved in things currently. Um, I mean, I've I've definitely i'm using my experiences at my previous roles where everything was terrible all the time um to help inform a lot of these these tools cuz i kind of uh, guide them as a kind of a product owner a lot of the time um yeah, and,
2: yeah. it sounds like you've lived through a lot of pain
1: <laughs> yeah i've been hurt before um <laughs> and no these these different uh, various different roles you'd see people kind of uh the the team d- the development team would just go and make the entire api and then a month later the front end team would would um, go and look at the API, make a few sample requests, save the JSON response and dump it in their in their code base somewhere and use that for tests. And then they'd just like integrate against that saved JSON. And in the meantime, if, if anything changes on on the, the API side, then they don't know about it because they've just used this random saved data. So if you have two clients, client A and client B, like they've both got different saves at different times. And client A gives some feedback and the API changes, client B doesn't know about it, and client B gives some feedback and the API changes and then A uh, A and B both have completely different understandings of what the contract is meant to be based on when they last saved it. Just everything is garbage. So um, this sort of thing will hopefully help with that. If you just distribute a new open API schema and it's, and it's correct, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. On the, the teams I've worked on, there has been a, uh, an incredible amount of variety and creativity and, and ingenuity that's gone into faking backends and creating, Staging environments and what have you, and some of them, uh, really honestly, like only make your your life worse uh, in the sense of like you're running up two virtual machines on a local desktop and a VPN into a server that runs uh, you know yesterday's nightly build or something like that. And uh, a lot of the time, those things become so fragile and so dependent on infrastructure on the network and all these other things that uh, it's it's becomes more of a punishment to maintain and to use than it is to uh, actually help you out. So. That's especially when you start to see people taking shortcuts like downloading local files and just using those to make their assertions from. Um, I think that this is something that uh, uh, you guys aren't shouting loudly enough about because I think it will be really, really helpful for people on both sides of the front endy back-end uh, spectrum, as it were.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, one, one thing to point out uh, right now is that it doesn't support like uh, assisting your data. That's something I really want to look into because uh, there's a lot of different types of mocking, right? There's mocking and then something I call sandboxing. Um, and uh sandboxing is where it kind of saves your data and you can you can modify it and delete it and change it and get rid of it and whatever else. And the the reason sandboxing is quite hard to do is that if you're just working with really boring, like super crud APIs, where you send up a foo in a bar and you get a foo in a bar and maybe it added a baz. Like when you're working with really simple um APIs like that, it's super easy, right? Because whatever you posted to it, just shove that in the in the response. But um, yeah, when you're working with kind of more use case based APIs, where it's actually doing something and transforming that data and applying tax rules or whatever in the background, like you have no way at guessing at what those fields are going to be. So um, yeah, persistence and kind of being a bit more intelligent about it is tough. Right now, it, it looks at the static contracts and then uses uh, things like examples, default values. Um, and uh, like if there's an enum, it will take one of those or Uh, You can run it in dynamic mode where it will use Faker-based responses and you can kind of pass in Faker keywords to give it more information and say like, this is an IP address and this is a first name or whatever. Um, And it will generate realistic stuff. So the the one downside is if you create an instance of something, then when when you get the response back, the same data isn't there, but you're still getting properties. So whilst you're developing your client, you're still kind of sending a post request, it actually does real validation on that request. So you you know that you're sending things properly. Um, And if you missed a required field, it will shower you. If you didn't send an email in the form of an email, it will shower you. Um, So it's kind of helping people integrate properly as opposed to be a functional actual replacement for an API. Um, But that stuff definitely is more possible when we add middlewares. So that's another feature I kind of want to look at and just like with Stripe, you know, if you try sending a payment to the Stripe sandbox, like a fake API, and you use credit card four 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 four, it will work. If you use four zero whatever it is, it will do a payment rejected. And there's all these different rules that they can put into their, their sandbox docs and say, you know, if you do this, you'll trigger this state. And that that I think is is even more interesting. But um, right now, there's no good mocking solution for just the most simple mock use cases um, in Open API world. So we're nailing that and then just chasing more power later,
2: you know? Sure, yeah. <clears throat> That's all really exciting. And it, I think what you've described is easy enough to convey maybe the caveats or the, or the way to use it uh, in its current state that um, I think it'll be pretty easy for people to see and get value out of it straight away.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think everything, I think everything stop like right now is going to really make API developers' um, lives just so much better. And I, I think because of what the Open API specification can do, I think it's going to make, everyone's lives better um uh one of phil's co-workers taylor did a wonderful job um at which longhorn php i get them all confused longhorn lone star they're all texas conferences uh, but taylor was at the conference and did a wonderful talk about why the specification matters and um how it helps everyone everyone together outside of just the, the api team um now you can have business owners having a hand in uh, building your APIs. You can have your front end developers mocking a lot faster. So everything you know Stoplight's doing, I think, is really gonna help push this ecosystem forward. Um but Phil, you know, like you mentioned, so studio is gonna have Prism and Spectral, which is mocking and linting, things like that. Uh, is there any other um any other types of features that we can expect kind of in the near future? Um, any kind of like security validation or uh <laughs> Possibly like taking like a, uh, you know, like m- helping people move from things like RamL up to open API or anything like
1: that. I gotcha. The reason I chuckled is that I'm literally um, reviewing a, a peer uh, pull request called security validation um, for Prism. And what that'll do is if you are sending the wrong headers for uh, security, you know, I've seen this before where uh, people they think that they've implemented G- JWT properly and probably haven't, or they've, they, have they are sending, I don't know the the wrong keyword or uh, the wrong the wrong authentication type or whatever it is. Uh, so Prism Prism will have an option where you can um, it will just uh, validate that for you, just like it validates your request payload. It will validate that you're sending it a bearer token or a basic token or, or whatever it is, um, just to ease integration with clients and stuff. But um, yeah, as for other features, what was the other one you asked about? Security and
0: like a, a, a converter
1: or. Um, Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, I would love to see a Rammel converter because um, I, I honestly don't know how many people are like actively developing Rammel anymore. And I know that a lot of people kind of have it sat around and would like to convert it into something useful. Um, right now, I recommend uh, Appomatic.io slash Transformer, and it is an amazing uh, piece of software. It's an uh, online web tool and an API. Uh, I've been trying to get them to open source it, but I, I think they changed their minds on that, unfortunately. Um, but you can basically upload anything in pretty much any format and then output it in any format. So if you've got some like postman collection sat around that's missing half the data with a bunch of awkwardly statically copied and pasted examples sat in there for your documentation, you can grab all of that stuff and shove it into automatic transformer and then output open API files. And from there you can just bung them in studio and you can, you know, do all the cool stuff like, um, uh, d- uh drag them out of having one big open API file and. And move them into models and, and replace them with refs, and you can just you can just create these reusable models through the interface to make all of your stuff way more dry and less scary. So um yeah, we, we haven't got conversion yet, but we do support OpenAPI V2, V3, and JSON schema and like standalone. So you can work with just JSON schema if that's if that's your thing. Um yeah, there's there's more cool stuff coming, but I, I can't give away all the things just yet, unfortunately.
0: No, that makes sense. I mean you've got to keep us like invested in the product and you know like kind of on our the edge of our seats um and anytime stoplight releases something you want to treat it like it's like it's christmas where you know we're give, you're giving the kids new toys to to play with <laughs> that's, that's what it feels like whenever i see something coming out of stoplight even though I, like i don't do open api professionally even though i don't even have a job right now but uh um, it's <laughs> it's still fun just to, like you know play with all these new tools and just kind of feel like you know, the world is at my fingertips for building APIs. In fact, I think I might take some time today and build a bike's API because I don't know if anything exists out there for that.
1: So I think that nice. You should, yeah. We keep talking about these different uh, sample open API specifications and like sample APIs, you know, uh, like the Star Wars API and the, the Poker API. Um, I think Taylor started working on Corgi API. Corgi. Yeah, she did. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, but um the more of these examples that exist of like here's a really good imaginary API I built with open API and I did it using studio and it's got loads of information in there. So you can see what an example of like a good one is and you can use them in conference talks and you can use them wherever it is. Um those, those things are really helpful to people, I think. So
0: I think um, you know, Phil, we'd be remiss if we didn't take a break just to talk about bikes for a second. Um <laughs> Absolutely is, is your bike in one piece, first off, and two Where are you?
1: Right. uh, My bike is in the very capable hands of a bike shop here. um, And I've forgotten the name. I'm in Amsterdam. Um, I came up here to get my bike fixed because I'm having a bit of a rough time. Uh, I I cycled all the way from Spain to Albania. And just in Albania, the roads are really bad. Like I saw people driving Jeeps that were struggling to get down these roads. And one of them was an 11-year-old child entirely by themselves. But um, people were like struggling in decent cars to get down these roads and and i was trying to cycle down them with a bike with like 30 pounds worth of stuff on there so i popped a couple of spokes and and got like five flat tires in a row and tried to call it a day and jump on a train in the. End. um so now i'm getting my bike fixed up getting brand new wheels that are a bit more sturdy uh, brand new dynamo so i can cycle through the night and charge all my all my phones and bits and bobs um and i'm going to go do a lap of norway uh, all of scandinavia and the the baltic sea basically and, and finish up in poland so i'm going to try and get the next 10 countries, 20 countries down, uh, you do another 10 in this go. And that's like most of Europe then this year.
0: So are you doing like a, a European tour before Brexit happens and you have to go back home or like, <laughs> what, is the, what, what is like the, the method behind a madness here? Are you just cycling the cycle or?
1: Yeah, it was pretty much that it was, uh, I cannot be bothered being in England while all this Brexit nonsense is happening. Like nothing construct, nothing constructive is happening in any way. Like, no nobody is talking about saving the environment. No one's talking about improving schools or education or health or anything. Like everyone's just bickering about nonsense that doesn't matter. Uh, so uh being in that country in general is just sounds really stressful. um So the original plan was I was going to avoid it until Brexit happened back in may and and then it didn't happen. They punted it till October. I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep riding bikes until October. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on going um. But while I'm, I'm doing something useful with it, uh, I am basically fundraising for trees. So I'm raising awareness for carbon offsetting by just kind of tweeting about how much I'm dying of heat exhaustion and give me some trees, please. Um, and it seems to be working. We got, we got 40,000 trees planted through Offset Earth uh, last month, which was way more than anyone was expecting. and That was real nice. Um, and seeing as it's only about 10 cents a tree, it, it's pretty easy to, to raise more. So. Yeah. Phil bike slash trees is where I talk about that. And I'd like to donate. That'd be really helpful because this month, August, I'm trying to get to 65,000 trees. It's going to be tough.
0: If I get a paycheck this month, I will absolutely donate. Oh.
1: Yeah. What do you want to talk about your, your job hunt or anything? Uh, I mean, no, but yeah. <laughs> it's... I think, I, I think I, it's been pretty interesting that you've been sharing your leads, right? So, not not only are you trying to find a job, but you're also kind of sharing information with other developers to to help them if they're also in a struggle. Like that's a pretty cool thing to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't necessarily know like what made me want to do that. Um, so like to so for people who are listening, I was I was laid off of my job last two, um the last Tuesday in July. Since I have no idea when we're going to release this, um, and basically as I was walking out the door, I sent out a quick tweet just. Hey, I'm looking for my next opportunity and I had more responses than I know what to do with. Um and that's just a testament to the the amazingness of the community that I'm a part of, the PHP community, the developer community. Um people who I didn't even really know came out of the woodwork just to support me and help me out. Um and it it very quickly I had at least 10 different uh companies say, "Hey, here's a link. We'd love to talk to you." And obviously I can only take one job. Um but I also know there's a lot of developers out there who might not be in good situations. They're kind of in, they're kind of stuck because, you know, the paycheck's really good, but you know, it's hard to move on, that kind of thing. Um, so I figured I would just send in a spreadsheet. And if, if you're curious, if you're looking, you're more than welcome to DM me on Twitter and I'll add you to the spreadsheet. Um, hopefully I'll keep maintaining it after I, um, after I get a job, um, cause it's kind of become, an interesting project to work on uh, just to keep curating leads, keeping things um, up to date and all that kind of stuff. But um, I've already started getting offers. So hopefully I'll have something soon, but kind of also enjoying riding my bike and not having to work. So it, it's a double-edged sword
1: there. I think I think you're a recruiter now. I think that's your new job. That's what it sounds like.
0: I would, I mean, if, if you want to pay me to do this, I'm not going to say no, but...
2: <laughs> This is yeah. how head, head hunting agencies get started.
0: Yeah, right. You can this- Venmo me, me coffee or beer. That that works really <laughs> well. Or hot chicken. Send me some hot chicken. That, <laughs> I
1: that think this is how bad. we start. This is how we start the APAs you won't hate jobs board we've been talking about doing it.
0: I mean, I have nothing else to do. I could
2: jumpstart. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. They, it's it's really not a bad
0: idea. I, I think it'd actually be kind of a fun idea. Uh, I mean, there's jobs boards for. Languages or jobs boards for communities, frameworks, even. But yeah, like I don't know if there's an actual APIs jobs board out there. No, do you know of anything?
1: No. I mean, there's, you know, the general things like Stack Overflow probably have a category for it and they probably have quite a lot in there. But um, yeah, I think if we were to to charge a small fee and then also have a uh, feature which automatically rejects anything that includes uh, more than than two buzzwords like uh, uh, blockchain and. uh, Deep learning, and <laughs> if you have more than two of them, it just now we don't we don't want that. Thanks.
0: So I can't I can't advertise my blockchain, machine learning, AI, neural network API.
1: Is it a GraphQL API? Oh yeah. Well, then we'll let that in. That sounds fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> really
0: surprised. I'm really surprised we're going to let GraphQL in of all things. But
1: ah, uh, we love it here. We love it here. Anyway,
0: <laughs> what is in the water? In answer
1: to infill. Um, lots of bikes. <laughs> the, canals, the canals here are supposedly uh, right where this house is. They're three meters deep. One, one meter is sludge. Another meter is bikes. And the other meter is a bit of dirty water floating on top. So generally, don't get in there.
0: Wait, they, like, there's actually bikes in the canals? Like, I mean,
1: Yeah, there's like 50,000 bikes uh, reclaimed from the canals every year. Just because all the and uh, all the Dutch folks, they have like the wheel lockers. You know, it's like a lock that's attached to the self wheel, attached uh, to, to the back wheel, and you engage the lock, and it just goes through the wheel, right? But it doesn't lock to anything. So uh, drunk tourists, usually Americans, uh, wander about and just pick up the bikes and throw them in the canal. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of bikes in there.
0: Sounds like a bike hate crime. We should we should that just sounds terrible.
1: <laughs> I'm very against it.
0: Yeah, that, that just I mean. People do that in Nashville. We have uh, like e-scooters that uh, you can zip around on and you either love them or hate them. And like the, the residents of Nashville like, will willingly throw them into the river. And I'm like, even if you hate them, it's not a point to just damage property and you know pollute the river, basically. Um, right.
1: Do you also hate rivers? That's yeah, that's- I mean, I'll set one on fire. I love fire, but uh, I don't hate rivers.
2: <laughs> it's it's uh at the risk of using a phil related pun people are missing the forest for the trees here hey nice <laughs> <laughs> you ruin one thing and you ruin a lot more something else uh just to make yourself feel better but uh yeah drunk american tourists have their way with things don't they
0: yes they do we can we can add uh death by fire to our spreadsheet that we're uh keeping track of how phil might die by the way
2: oh yeah, yeah the matrix us. is getting
1: complicated we need to update the spreadsheet for, for Scandinavia. There's bears and mountains and God knows what And snow, just snow.
2: <laughs> yeah, how worried are you about the cold weather?
1: Uh, not, it's going to be the middle of summer. I'm, I'm doing this whole thing um, August and like the, f- the first couple of days of September, so it should be pretty warm. I'm more worried about mosquitoes. Yeah, sure. Wherever I go, there's a, just a batch of mosquitoes ready to get me.
2: But- Did you know that that's something you can be uh, genetically predisposed to? Uh, I did one of those 23andMe tests and they'll t- they'll tell you if you are genetically uh, predisposed to mosquitoes wanting to devour your, your blood and your soul. Uh, and I am definitely one of those. It sounds like you probably are too, Phil.
1: Oh yeah, people will bypass like 20 other strangers just to come and feast on my legs. Mosquitoes
2: are the just little bastards. <laughs> Maybe your next fundraiser will be an anti-mosquito one.
0: Yeah. A bike mosquito net. Oh yeah. Since both of y'all are here, unlike the last time where uh, it was just Phil and I, and we forgot to record, it, so we talked for an hour, um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the books to kind of haunt Phil and um, kind of motivate him to keep going. So uh, how are the books coming along?
1: That is a great question. So I've taken a pause on Build APAs You Won't Hate Too. Um It's it's quite a big rewrite. There's a lot of stuff to be done, and it's it's... Tricky to focus on that and surviving APIs, uh, surviving other people's APIs. So, um, I've been trying to make progress on that one. Um, we recently got another chapter in, uh, can't remember what it was now. There's a chapter about something. Um, <laughs> and I'm currently writing up notes for the security chapter. We're going to have a, a guest author do the security chapter. And then I just need to finish up, um, what's going to be the last article that I'm doing, the last chapter I'm doing, which is, uh, like BFFs and architectures. So trying to understand that just because you're a front-end developer and you're working with somebody else's API doesn't mean that you are completely stuck at their hands. Um, like You can design your own API as an intermediary to have a little bit more control so you don't have to like panic, push out updates to everybody just because there's been some like ridiculous breaking change on their end and it's a lot of work and it's hard to do, but sometimes you got to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, things like uh, Netflix made this example pretty common, like, they have a different api for every one of their one of their devices there's like an xbox api and a um and a pc api and an android api so like the api team will control that specific api and then if there's any any breaking changes happen on upstream apis they kind of get that extra layer uh, that extra layer of control so they can they can just update their api and still be emitting the same contracts and then they can they can change their API if and when they want to, and maybe they don't. Uh, maybe they find a way to keep it exactly the same despite the upstream API changing. So, um, when I'm done with that, that's that's the last one from me. And uh, Mike, I think you've still got one, maybe two.
2: Yeah. So uh, I did a bunch of work on a chapter on on uh, using APIs asynchronously, uh, and wrote a, a massive, um, I guess, opinionated uh, chapter on. The, the right way to do things and how the future is going to look for your uh, asynchronously polling APIs. There's a bit of changes I still want to get in there, some uh, diagrams and code samples that I've, I'm working on. Uh, lately, I've been very slowly chipping away at the chapter on form generation. Um, it turns out that describing how to generate forms from an API is something that is uh, both a little little overly abstract and difficult to come up with reasonable examples for, but uh, as I'm I'm going through and building out that chapter, it's also been really cool to see all the various libraries and things that exist for uh, developers on different platforms to to generate APIs from things like JSON schema uh, that will allow you to pull in the schema and uh, do next to no work to spit out a, an interface that looks like uh, something that, that, well, that basically is something that's compatible with your API. Uh, in addition to that, um, there's a lot of... Um, future looking uh, in terms of uh, being opinionated for what designers should do when designing say, for example, something like um, a uh, autocomplete box that is flexible enough for your entire interface for for, for your entire application uh, that can work based on any API. Fed into it, so it's really interesting to try and write up uh, kind of my thoughts on that, and I, I have a feeling it's going to end up being a relatively long uh, chapter that we'll probably also break out a blog post or two from. Um, but that's coming along well, and and basically that I think will tie it up for me. And then I, I'd imagine Phil will probably just go back and do uh, a, a one giant read through of the whole thing and some um, you know last minute edits or whatever, and throw it in front of the community to see what uh, what what the folks in our neck of the woods think before uh, sending this thing off to become a, a real live boy. Yeah, real right Uh
1: Yeah, I. That's exactly it. Like what I did last time. I think there was like a year between making it uh, from uh, an ebook into a real print book, and I, it's not going to be anywhere near that long this time. Like now I know how to do it. Uh, it's much easier. Um, but there'll be there'll be a couple of months. So I think in about two months we should be done. And then uh, yeah, I'll leave it another two months for people to read their ebook and get their feedback in and point out all the typos that we all managed to miss somehow and. Um, you know, give feedback and be like, oh, maybe you could add a bit more color around like this random thing. People always, I, I was so lucky to get such constructive feedback uh, from people. And there was one person that was just like, Phil seems like a dick. Um, but then everybody else, <laughs> everybody else was like, oh, I didn't really understand this section. And I'm
2: that.
1: <laughs> so, uh, it's All like nine- people with
2: Functioning senses of humor, uh, I'm sure got a lot out of
1: it <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somebody was really offended about something or other. Yeah. A, <laughs> a <couple laughs> why. Um, I think I just responded like, not sure who pissed in, uh, uh, I'm not sure who pissed in his cereal, but, um, yes, <laughs> yes uh, mostly it's constructive feedback. And I'm very lucky with that. So, uh, should be a real book uh, before the end of the year, maybe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think that's realistic. I'm pretty excited about that. And I think as we get closer to that, uh, given, given your, um, affection and duly, so your affection for trees, I think it'd be great for us to figure out a way to, uh, one benefit the charity, but also, uh, try and figure out a way to print the books on recycled media or whatever it may be to be a little
1: little nicer to the earth you know that is interesting i have been looking at um ways to do this and i'm going to put a link in the show notes cuz i might be wrong but there's a website called um uh, i thought it was clover or something there's an api i found recently which basically integrates with uh shopify and a bunch of other places and you can you can ask people buying um through the checkout process if they would like to offset their purchase so um yeah there's still the whole you know killing trees to print thing um but shipping is quite a big uh, carbon producer so yeah if you yeah. give people the the opportunity to offset there that would be nice and even you know one percent of people do it that's better than no percent of people but um yeah i i'm a bit it's a, it's a bit funny kind of trying to get trees planted and then actively cutting them down for words but uh we we generally push people towards the the print version like I always have a, a nice big uh, sorry. Push people towards the ebook version. I had like a nice big button. It's like buy it here, and the green button. And then it's like buy dead tree version, and it's like a black link. In it, <laughs> most <laughs> most people go with ebook. But yeah, yeah.
0: You should you should put a link to your uh, your tree donation thing right next to it, so it offsets each other.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I'm talking to um, I'm going to talk to Lean Pub and Offset Earth, for charity. I've been working with. I'm going to see if I can get them to be one of the one of the causes. Right. Because uh, Lean Pub support. Sending off certain chunks of money to different courses, and um, oh, cool. in in the past, I was doing anywhere between like ten and thirty percent were going to EFF um, a couple of years ago, and then it was I think it was um, Women Who Code for a while. There's there's a bunch of different courses on there that I, I flipped between. So um, yeah, if we can get them listed as a course, then I'll just I'll just fire ten percent at that.
0: Sweet, that sounds awesome. So you heard it here uh, when this podcast is released. Phil's new book, Phil and Mike's book, uh, will be released hopefully by the end of the year. Um, I think progress is on GitHub, right? So people can kind of like actively watch it and and kind of give you feedback.
1: Yeah, the build APIs you won't hate too is is floating around somewhere on on GitHub. Um, uh, Not going to advertise it, but if you find it, then you're welcome to basically everything we've got so far for free. (laughs) The surviving other people's API uh, is on LeanPub, but all all the links are on um, you Go to com. you'll see a link to where it is. And it's like 80% right now and just got to get the last 20% done.
0: Nice. We'll throw, uh, we'll throw links in the show notes so that way people know where to go find it um, when all this is released. Um, but I think that wraps up everything we want to talk about. Um, another great episode in the books. Um, is there anything we missed that we need to cover real fast? Or
1: That's all I had. Yeah, we'll sort it out next time. Yep. Now, that we, nope. now that we do these regularly and I remember to click the record button before we start talking. <laughs>
2: All minor details.
0: (laughs) Thank God I did not wake up at six o'clock this morning in vain for just to talk to Phil. Um, We will have this posted up soon. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I'll have a great day. Phil don't die on bikes and good luck on the stoplight releases this week.
1: Cheers. Thank you very much. much. Thank you guys.